Hello, hello, hello. This is the Religious Studies Project. My name's David Robertson. And my name is Christopher Carter. Attentive listeners will notice that last week's interview was not Paulina Collata speaking with Levi McLaughlin as we promised. That's because it's this week. Yeah. <laughs> we, we messed up. We uh, got so far ahead in recording our intros that we managed to somehow skip a week. I, but think, it was, I think it was my fault. It doesn't matter. I assured you that we had definitely recorded that one. It's all good. All it means is that you don't have to listen to me interviewing for two weeks in a row. You get to listen to Polina Collata speaking to Levi McLaughlin instead. On the subject of Soka Gakkai, Komieto, and the religious voices of Japan's political arena. Take it away, guys. Throughout Japanese history, religion has always colored and influenced the matters of the state. Religious validation of imperialist aggression and Japan's war efforts in the first half of the 20th century are just but one example of this. Japanese religious institutions entered post-war period with their ethically problematic baggage of war, but promulgation of Japan's post-war constitution that introduced a legal separation of religion and the state, the militarization of Japan, and freedom of religion opened a new chapter of a supposedly pacifist and secular political system. Religion became a private matter of an individual. And yet, we are still talking about religion and politics in Japan. We are joined today by Levi McLachlan, who is an associate professor at the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies at North Carolina State University. He is a co-author and co-editor of Komeito, Politics and Religion in Japan, and has just completed a book entitled Sokagakkai's Human Revolution, The Rise of Mimetic Nation. It only seemed appropriate to invite him um, to talk to us about religion and politics in Japan. Um, and his book is actually forthcoming from the University of Hawaii Press late 2018. So congratulations on that, Levi. Thank you. Um, so hello and welcome to the Religious Studies Project. So we are here at the University of Manchester um, ahead of your talk later on this afternoon. Um, and where you will be talking about the Soka Gakkai, um, which is one of the Japan's largest lay Buddhist organizations, uh, and also um, is often referred to as one of the most engaged or politically engaged and um, influential, um, I dare say, um, uh, new religions uh, in Japan today. Um, so why do you think we should continue talking about uh, religion and religion and politics in in the country that has um constitutional division of religion and state and kind of thank you it's nice to be here Paula. thanks for having me there are other questions we also have to think about as well for example why are we talking about religion in a country where uh in surveys that are given up to ask about religious commitment the, the wording of the survey usually is something along the lines of, do you have religious faith? And the majority of respondents in Japan will, uh, will say no. 70% or plus will say, I don't have religious faith. And also, um, in the recent elections at the national level, just over 50% of the population actually goes takes you know, the efforts to go out and vote. Mm-hmm. Why talk about religion and politics in these, in these conditions, perhaps, would be another thing to add to that conundrum. The reason is that there are these uh, organizations that are unmatched in their capacity to, to mobilize votes, uh, though they are minority players in, in the religion and politics fields. They still nonetheless uh, move the needle on policy and may actually be the, the crucial elements in forthcoming 
uh, upheavals uh, in regards to Japan's constitution and its place in the geopolitical order. So let me best be speak a little more specifically. I'm talking about an organization called Soka Gakkai, translates li uh, literally as the Value Creation Study Association. What a great name. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, does it sound like a religion? Not quite. Right. Well, that's because it didn't begin as a religion. It began as a as a, an educational reform organization in the 1930s, um, who, whose founders then switched into the following a uh, specific form of medieval Japanese Buddhism, uh, following a, a reformer named Nichiren from the 13th century, who held that only exclusive faith in uh, a teaching known as the Lotus Sutra, which is understood to be the Buddha's final teaching, will allow for salvation and all other forms of teachings, including other Buddhist teachings, are to be done away with. And so the organization they ended up uh, creating was uh, a staunch uh, defender of this particular form of Buddhism, which ran afoul of wartime uh, religious uh, regulations. The, the founders, Makiguchi Tsunesaburo and his uh, disciple Toro Jose, were imprisoned. Makiguchi died of malnutrition during the war. One of the very, one amongst very, very few people who were actually willing to confront and uh, reject the authority of the wartime state. And opposed the... It's right. And opposed it for religious reasons. And so mm -hmm. after world, at the end of the Second World War, um, uh, so Gakkai reformulates and grows from a few thousand members to millions of members between the beginning of the 1950s up to the end of the 1960s. Today, they claim an absolutely uh, staggering number of followers in Japan, 8.27 million households, which is hugely exaggerated. Mm. The reality, though, is something like 3% of Japan self-identifies as belonging to Sokogakai. And that doesn't sound like a lot necessarily, right? But if you have 3% of the population, it means 3 out of 100 people that you know are uh, related to you, They're, they are uh, people you work with, or maybe you are one of these 3%. So um, one of the uh, reasons that we're, that Sokogakai has both grown so big and so prominent, also terribly notorious within, Soka, within Japanese society, is it's, um, the, the fact that um, electioneering on behalf of Sokogakai's affiliated political party is a component of Sokogakai faith practices. So members chant the Lotus Sutra, they solicit uh, membership, they, they, they're very well known for being uh, proselytizers, for missionizing, mm -hmm. and they're also, every election, be it the smallest uh, town council up to Japan's national diet, the, the parliament, uh, people in Japan will know they're going to get a phone call. They're going to get the knock on the door from their friends who are members of Sokogakai to ask them to vote for Komeito or to vote for Komeito's political ally, which is the Liberal Democratic Party, the LDP, which mm -hmm. is Japan's largest party. So Japan right now is run by a coalition government, which is the LDP and Komeito. So Komeito has a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. And they may be a comparatively small organization, but they wield a disproportionately large amount of power, mm -hmm. both politically and, and religiously. 
Sorry to interrupt the episode, but we just wanted to let you know to remind you about our Patreon link. Uh, the Religious Studies Project has always been free since its inception, um, but we know that there's a great problem in academia with uh, people not being paid for the work that they're expected to do, particularly early career scholars. And we at the RSP want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So you can help if you can spare even one pound a month um, by going to patreon.com slash Project RS and subscribing. We know that these podcasts are very useful for people who are teaching and people in their learning. So if you can help um, either by subscribing there or by making a one-off donation using the PayPal button on our website, it would be greatly appreciated and will help us keep bringing you this podcast for free and fight against exploitation in academia. But now, back to the episode. So who are Comedon? What are their policies? That's a really good question and it's also a tough question. They are difficult to pigeonhole politically because they don't fall neatly into a right or left kind of distribution. Um, historically, they were they would have to be called extremely left wing um, because they were supporters of pacifism, and they have always been uh, their their central platforms have always been focused on social welfare. They appeal to their primary constituency. Their primary constituency is homemakers, women in Japan who make up the bedrock of Soko Gakkai and are the most active um, uh, in terms of electioneering. And so it's things like uh, reducing uh, taxation on household goods, promoting education, clean water, environment, uh, things of that nature, uh, support for for children, uh, families with small children, uh, low-income households, you name it. Mm-hmm. But recently, they've also been supportive of uh, LDP moves to um, move toward greater freedom for Japan's military. Uh, these, they, Japan does not actually officially have a, a, what you might call a regular armed forces. They maintain what are called the Japan Self-Defense Forces. They are uh, hindered from uh, militarizing by a clause in the Constitution, mm-hmm. Notorious clause called Article 9, which prevents Japan from maintaining war materials or using war as a means of resolving international disputes. But in 2015, a series of new laws were, were passed through the Diet with Komeito's support that radically reinterpreted Article 9 to allow for what's called collective self-defense, which will allow Japan to go to the aid of its military allies, that is to say the United States, and to enter into armed conflict. So we have now this uh, strange policy kind of platform, this odd connection between what are considered to be fairly hawkish right-wing approaches on a, on a, on a, in a, um, on a defense front and really progressive uh, social welfare-oriented policies as well. That's really interesting because it would mix the Tories with... With the Corbynists in UK context. Potentially, yes. And actually, <laughs> historically, Komeito's greatest rivals were the Japan Communist Party. Oh, great. Yes. Okay. Yes. Fantastic. So so you talked about the 2015 um, changes in the law, but um, what about the most recent elections um, yeah. of 2017 and kind of what was the role of, of Komeito in that? Okay. Um, so there was a snap election called by Prime Minister Abe Shinzo. Uh, in October of 2017, uh, which was treated by a lot of people as a rather cynical move on the part of uh, the LDP and its coalition allies to secure power 
and to basically um, ensure that uh, the Prime Minister Abe remains in power and to take advantage of, a, of an opposition that is in pretty much in pretty big disarray right now at the national level mm -hmm. in Japan. Um, the overall, the government gained seats. Uh, the LDP gained seats. The only uh, component of that was that the Komeito lost seats mm -hmm. in the lower house. It went from 35, 34 to 29 seats. Um, why is that? Yeah. And so some of the questions uh, that they're difficult to say definitively, but I've recently, with the help of my colleague Axel Klein, who's a professor of political science at the uh, University of Duisburg-Essen in Germany, who is an amazing uh, scholar who can, can, can compile all kinds of great elections data. Uh, we worked together to, to look at uh, Gakkai member attitudes in combination with this quantitative aspect of it and mm -hmm. determined that basically the, the, the lesson we have to, to learn here that Soka Gakkai is not one unified block. And that is translating into mm -hmm. a, an increasingly disaggregated voting situation. Mm -hmm. And so it had the, the, the lowest number of votes uh, at the national level for an election like this uh, since it joined the LDP and coalition in 1999, under 7 million. And 7 million is treated as something of a magic number And there's a psychological aspect to going below that mm. um, and losing all these seats, including uh, so, so, some veteran, uh, one veteran uh, politician in particular who was uh, kind of pushed out. Um, what is going on? Well, there are several constituencies we can now identify within Sokogakai. These are developing as a result of Komeito's policy shifts away from supporting decades of supporting a pacifist attitude and de defending Article 9 mm. toward being totally on board with collective self-defense. Uh, what you're starting to see are generational shifts, gender divisions, mm. um, and a kind of a move uh, toward concerns about what's going to happen to Soka Gakkai in light of one very important thing. Because right now, Soka Gakkai is headed by Uh, an honorary president named Ikeda Daisaku, who is revered as an absolute authority within the organization. He has not appeared uh, to address a Gakkai meeting since May of 2010. Mm -hmm. He just turned 90 years old. And so necessarily the organization is looking to a future after Ikeda Daisaku's lifetime. Mm -hmm. And there are members within the group, particularly Uh, second, third, fourth generation Sokogaka members who are younger who are starting to question why their practice must include uh, unquestioning loyalty to a political party that has absolutely reversed what they consider to be Ikeda Saitaku's teachings on peace. Mm. So that's becoming quite challenging um, in that sense, but um, the usual association is how did Komeito emerge right. um, originally okay. and how does it now refer okay. um, it's how does it refer towards the Sokagaka is it does it define itself as a, as a Buddhist party or right. well this is one of the conundra one of the difficult things that uh, people who are interested in politics have to deal with and one of the reasons I love talking about this is because Komeito forces political scientists to actually take religion seriously Komeito was founded for religious reasons. It was founded very specifically for Nichiren Buddhist reasons. 
And this makes a lot of um, politics people uncomfortable. They like to think that there should be, as you mentioned earlier, a division between religion and government. And especially in Japan, where the 1947 constitution guarantees that there will be a clear split between religion and government. In 1964, Komeito was founded, um, and there had been previously, uh, Soka Gakkai started running candidates for for office from 1954 and then 1955, they started being elected. From the outset, Soka Gakkai entered politics in order to bring about a specific vision of constructing a temple complex that would march that would mark the conversion of the populace of Japan to complete reverence, sole exclusive reverence for the Lotus Sutra. And, and what this really meant, of course, was they would convert to Sokagakai. And it was uh, something uh, this part of the something it, was, it comes from the Nichiren teachings after his lifetime comes to be known as the three great secret dharmas. They consist of the title of the lotus, Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. They consist, the second one is the, the, uh, the um, calligraphic mandala that he inscribed in 1279 for the salvation of Japan. And the third one was supposed to be this, uh, uh, was called an ordination platform, kaidan in Japanese, that was uh, a, a, understood for centuries to be this kind of far-flung, distant vision only to be achieved uh, upon this uh, this majestic goal being realized. Mm-hmm. When Sokogakai started to grow from a few thousand to millions of followers, that distant goal started to become something of a concrete objective. And so one of the components of realizing this, uh, this uh, kaidan, this uh, ordination platform, this temple complex, is that it had to be promulgated with by the government. And so during Nichiren's time, of course, that meant something quite different. But by the time you reach the 20th century, that means Japan's parliament. And so how do you do that? You have to actually have a place in Japan's parliament. And so this, this actually was the motivation for, for Sokogaka entering politics. 1964, um, Komeito was founded as a party. And includes a lot of different platforms, actually, mostly focused on, on very utopian ideals of, of world peace and social welfare. And, this, and this, uh, at the time, there was this, uh, this uh, concept of Buddhist democracy as well that was not clearly defined, but was very idealistic. But it was a religious objective. In 1970, uh, 1969, there were a series of scandals that uh, erupted as a result of uh, basically... Komeito politicians uh, inter- uh, attempting to intervene to, to forestall the publication of uh, one book in particular that was seen as extremely negative about, about Soka Gakkai, and that precipitated um, an official division between Komeito and its founding religion, Soka Gakkai. And since 1970, the two have maintained an official split. Of course, I mean, members of Sokogaka still campaign on behalf of Komeito. And there's a, you know, it's unclear actually about some of the other aspects that, that bind the two, the, you know, two organizations together. Nonetheless, um, what you have seen though is Komeito become what you have to call an ordinary political party. Mm-hmm. That is to say, it does not uh, focus on this uh, eschatological religious goal anymore. Mm-hmm. It focuses on really concrete political objectives. And one of the things you can prove about it no longer actually focusing on that, it's, it's been in government mm. since 1999. 
and there's been no evidence whatsoever that they are trying to get any sort of favor on religious grounds for for its founding religion or any religion. So they should be treated seriously. They absolutely should be treated seriously, and also treated as an as another political party, mm. which um, was it's they because they are because of the specific history and because of their connection to a religion that has gained a reputation for being an aggressive proselytizer. They are, they are often saddled with a stigma of not being a religion, not being a serious political party, but instead being sort of an arm of a religious organization. Whereas in every analysis, they should actually, they, they look much more just like an, another party. Which kind of throws an interesting um, element to the mix of Japanese politics at the moment. That's right. Well, there are other aspects to think about as well, especially in light of um, the fact that it's been a supporter for the LDP. It's not just Komento politicians, but liberal democratic party politicians that rely upon Sokagakai voters to be elected. That's wonderful. Um, thank you very much for that, uh, Levy. I'm afraid that this is all we have time for, uh, but it has been a real pleasure talking to you. And pleasure thank you for sharing well. all your knowledge. Thanks so much, Paul. Thank you. Wonderful to hear from Paola again there. It's been a while since we've had you on the podcast. So Paola? Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's Paulina, it's her full oh, name. Oh, yeah, diminutive. Paola, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's um, we're so like we, a family here, the Religious Studies Project, in many ways. <laughs> we are indeed. Um, so it'll be wonderful to have you back um, for a few more, hopefully. And great to have another interview focusing on uh, Japan. Um, on that note, um, we've currently got a call out for interviewers, um, particularly focusing on Asia, Africa, and actually North America, where our representation has, has somewhat dwindled in recent years. Yeah, people have uh, people have either got promoted or they've moved to moved Europe. Over here, yeah. <laughs> um, so do check that out on the website, and if you um, are in a position yourself or know anyone who might be or just know any topics that we should be covering or scholars we should be looking at, uh, do you get in touch? Yeah, don't don't feel put off now that we've uh, got some level of establishment and respect. You know, we're, we're always looking for new people to join on. And, um, you know, this this uh, whole project runs on uh, people taking part. So, so please do get in touch. Uh, David and I are just about to go off and have our annual annual planning meeting i've just emailed the uh, the trustees of the the uh, the charity as well to, to try and set up our annual general meeting um for a few weeks from now excellent so it's, so it's all go yeah we'll be strategizing and planning for next year we're in the the, the last few weeks now what is there another another two after this exactly yeah so next week it is actually David speaking with Boaz Huss on that name. And, and Steve Suckwith. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, Steve. Wouldn't want to forget Steve. Um, it's a very bad move, really. Uh, on that nebulous term, spirituality. Indeed. Um, I, I, I think I talked about this a bit in the previous week's intro. So, so um, jump but, back to that one. Yeah, yeah. No, um, if you're even vaguely interested in ideas, you know, new religions, spirituality, especially in the sort of new age milieu, but also critical theories of of uh, religion and um, secularization and these kind of uh, non-religion-y kind of ideas, I think you're going to find quite a lot in this discussion that's interesting. So do come back. And uh, thanks for listening. 
The Religious Studies Project is sponsored by the British Association for the Study of Religions, the North American Association for the Study of Religion, and the International Association for the History of Religions. Brought to you by founders and editors-in-chief Chris Cotter and David Robertson, and managing editor Thomas J. Coleman III. Our features are edited by Jonathan Tuckett, and our opportunities digest by Yana Shirley. Podcast transcription by Helen Bradstock, with audio assistance from Gregory Schneider and Samuel Ward. Social media managed by Ray Radford, and sales and marketing by Sammy Bishop. Don't forget, you can support the project using our Amazon.com.co.uk and .ca links, or by donating at patreoncom projectrs And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, YouTube, iTunes, and other portals. <laughs>